All right. Uh, second episode of uh, Movies in My Ass. Um, yeah, this time I actually saw movies. So I'm actually going to talk about movies. Um, and last last episode, I said I said it was recorded in December. I got it wrong. It was January. It just whenever it was uploaded is is when I recorded it. So <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So I actually I actually saw um two movies, not not in theaters, obviously. Um, because of the coronavirus. Um, two movies were The Last Duel by Ridley Scott. Great movie. I fucks with it. And uh, Cape Fear, directed by uh, Martin Scorsese. The the newer one. There's like an older one that that it's adapted from, but I didn't I didn't watch that one because it's old and stinky. Um. Yeah, I don't know, man. How was my week? It was okay. It was okay. I'm just watching movies. You know. Not much to do with this fucking lockdown. You know. Um, yeah, so, the, well, okay, the first movie I saw was The Last Duel. Okay, by the way, both movies are about rape, okay? And I, I didn't plan this. It was coincidental, right? I didn't know both the movies were rapey. Anyways, like, who, I didn't expect Ridley Scott to make a rape movie. Yeah, regardless, okay. Um... Yeah, so the last duel, uh, medieval movie. It's about it's a historical truth, true story. Um, it's set in like the 1300s in France, and the thing is, it's in France. It's a French story. It, you know, all their names are like Jean and shit, but they all speak with like medieval English accents. So I, I was confused. I thought it was like English people were like occupying France or some shit. You know, I don't know medieval history. But yeah, I mean, you know, the cast is great. Um, Matt Damon, Adam Driver, Ben Affleck. Uh, you know, those are the only guys I know. Um, Jodie Comer. Comer. Jodie Comer in her ass. Uh, she's the main main character, basically. Towards the end. Towards the second half of the movie. By the way. It's cause it's gonna be spoilers. Um, yeah, I've never heard of her, but she does a great job, right? Um, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck wrote it. It's nothing like the last movie they wrote, or you know, their most famous one. Um, it's not about therapy. Uh, basically, it's it, it's like a whodunit type of thing, like it it's a. It, the entire story is basically just uh, recounts uh, of these three characters: Adam Driver's character, Matt Damon's character, and uh, Jodie Comer's Comer's um, from court. It's like a court hearing, and they're just uh, recounting their their version of the story. So it's the same story told three times, except there's like different nuances, uh, different you know little details that you can spot and some some of the story events are completely different and some of them have additional um you know parts of the story so very interesting i mean it's like no other medieval movie that i've seen you know the battle scenes two there's two of them um 
great. I think they're sick. Honestly, they were so cool, right? Like, it was... Like, you know when you watch, like, Lord of the Rings for, like, the first time and you're like, dude, this is... This is sick. It was like that. Like, it was brutal. Um, Well-paced. It was creative. But the thing is, they only lasted, like, 30 seconds each. You know? Because, I mean, I... Like, the, the movie's not about medieval battles. Right? It's about a woman who's raped. And, you know, it's about justice. Um... It's about um, the patriarchy or the patriarchal society. Um, and yeah, it's about how her her life is basically in the hands of these men who are like douchebags. Because that was, a, you know, men were just like that back then. And some of them are now, obviously. Um, yeah, it's weird. I mean, because you see, like, you know, like it's Matt Damon and Ben Affleck doing English accents, so it's it's strange. Um, yeah, uh, the battle scenes were sick, and then there's a final fight scene at the end, which I think is was amazing, and I was I was on the edge of my seat, you know. Um, yeah, it was basically to determine whether or not. Uh, Jodie Comer's character, who's raped by Adam Driver, who happens to be Matt Damon's um, sort of friend in the uh, in the you know in the army, right? And uh, yeah, so they determine whether she's lying based on who wins the the last duel. So it's like you know she has no say in it. It's just whether or not her husband, Matt Damon, wins a fight to the fucking death. And then if she loses, or if Matt Damon loses the fight, then she's burned alive and, like, fucking lashed, like, 40 times. So, you know, not a good deal for her. Right? Um, and there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, uh, symbolism that also relates to the current situation uh, in in our lives um, regarding these type of cases, you know. Um, yeah, luckily, luckily Matt Damon wins, and uh, yeah. Um, well, the characters. I mean, the writing was was pretty good. There were some, like, weird stuff, right? Like, the voiceover in some of the early scenes were, like, strange. Like, okay, most of the characters, most of the actors did a good job with the voiceovers, right? Because sometimes you got to voice over the dialogue. Um, But Matt Damon, it's like he just did not give a shit. You know, all the other characters are like... Right? They're putting emotion in it. And then Matt Damon is just like... And it's strange, but whatever. It's only for like, you know, five, ten minutes. Um, yeah. Um, the thing that's very interesting about the, the, the film is, you know, usually in medieval movies, it's like all the characters are kind of like perfect, you know? 
not in the in in the sense of like their their own character um like their personality and stuff but it's just like how they behave it's like very formal right but in this in this film there is a lot of humanity uh in the characters early like in the first half of the movie you really do end up liking some of the characters um like Ben Affleck's character um he's like the count count pierre and he's basically just a fucking frat boy right um and then he ends up you know Adam Driver who's one of his squires he ends up um you know building a friendship with him and then they they basically just fuck around and then well Adam Driver's character acts as like an accountant as well that's why uh Ben Affleck you know that's why Adam Driver's such a big asset to him is cuz Ben Affleck's financially fucked and he needs him to do his accounts and you know they do bro shit dude they're bros you know they fuck they have orgies like they fuck like seven bitches together at the same time so anyways that's sick right and um yeah they're basically a frat like you know Ben Affleck's character is basically just drunk all the time his wife's pregnant with like his eighth baby but he's still like just fucking around with other hoes and uh Adam Driver sort of just tags along um and then Matt Damon's character uh who's uh who's also a squire who starts off you know in the same position as Adam Driver in terms of the hierarchy or whatever um but he's like he's like a fighter you know he's a great fighter um and he just wants to fight like he'll do whatever for the king in terms of battles right the thing is he's fucking poor um so Ben Affleck's character you know he takes uh he taxes them obviously um and then he just doesn't like Matt Damon's character cuz Matt Damon's like He's like a fucking spastic, you know? Like he's all about emotions. He's very emotional. Um and yeah, so once Adam Driver sort of starts uh propelling in the in the employment hierarchy, you know, Ben Affleck uh, Matt Damon starts getting pissed. And then uh that's where their friendship starts to wobble. And so in the first telling of the story, Matt Damon, you know, he seems like a great guy. He's a great husband. You know, he treats Jodie Cormer as like how a regular couple would interact um, and like professes love, uh, treats her with respect, you know, eats her booty. And, uh, and he sort of you know, paints Ben Affleck's character as a douchebag, which doesn't really change. You know, he's still just a frat boy throughout the entire movie. Um, and Adam Driver is sort of just a friend that, you know, you don't know whether or not he's fucking you over or not. You know, it seems like he's he's, he's being a nice guy. Um, he's trying his best, but the circumstances are not where, where it is good for Matt Damon. But once we get to the second recount, which is Adam Driver's uh, story, 
Um, by the way, in the first recount, we don't see the rape. The wife just tells Matt Damon that the rape happened, and then Matt Damon's sort of like, you know, are you sure? And then he, he seems to be in full support. Not of the rape, obviously, because it's his wife. Um, and then Jody, you know, Jody's, Jody's, yeah. Anyways, the second recount is Adam Driver's. And basically it makes it seem like uh, Jody and Adam sort of fall in love, right? Uh, and Matt Damon is just this completely emotional, off-the-rails guy who, like, just goes on rants whenever he sees Adam Driver and Ben Affleck together. Like, public rants. Um, and then, I guess, uh, you know, Matt Damon leaves the, the castle for a bit. And then Adam Driver comes in, and then he basically seduces uh, Jody. But it's like she, I mean, she resists, like, not resist, but like she, she says no, repeatedly. But her body actions, I guess, like, they do seem sort of, uh, you know, allowing, okay? I know it's still wrong. Right? You can't you can't fuck a bitch even if she's seems like she you know, she's not saying no with her behavior if she says no. Now there's there's a part where, you know, he's chasing her up the stairs, but in sort of like a friendly like you know, uh how like kids play fucking hide and seek. Uh, to, sort of way, and then like her, she like takes off her slippers uh, before she walks up the stairs, and then uh, he fucks her, and and like the the sex scene is like it's basically like a romanticized rape scene, right? Where like she says no, but like it's like sexual, and she's like hardly resisting, and then the third recount, basically all the guys are fucking assholes. Right, like Matt Damon's basically in it for himself. He treats Jody like a fucking Italian husband, right? Like, um, even when she tells him that she's raped, he's like, he's basically just, uh, yeah. I think he says, "How could he do this to me?" Right, and talking about Adam Driver. Um, so he's basically just full full of himself. And Jody's like, uh, just, just an asset, you know? Um, and Jody's, so the rape scene in this, in this part is just, the disturbing level is just amped up, you know? It's like how a rape should be portrayed. It's fucking horrific, right? She's like screaming, crying, a lot of struggle. And the scene where, you know, she goes up the stairs, after taking off her slippers, the slippers fall off, right? So those are like the differences that you can see between the stories. And uh, yeah, she's like completely against uh, Adam Driver's um, sort of moves towards her. And then Adam Driver rapes her. And uh, yeah, so Adam Driver, not a good guy in this, you know, um, 
I haven't really seen him as a villain besides like Kylo Ren in in the first new Star Wars <clears throat> movies. Um but yeah. So horrific. Um and Adam Driver is obviously a douchebag. Ben Affleck's the same character. Ben Affleck's basically Ben Affleck. Like, they just wrote the same Ben Affleck that you always see in every movie. He's just a fucking guy who fucks bitches. Um, yeah, Jodie Cormer does a great job. She's obviously traumatized. Like, in this one, you really see how it affects her. And it's not about, you know, the friendship between Matt Damon and Adam Driver anymore. We start to realize, you know, the actual importance is how this woman, you know, was scarred. Was fucking mentally demolished by being raped. And, uh, yeah, so the court, um, you know, says, yeah, okay, well. We'll allow the duel, right? And there's this just sick battle scene between Matt Damon and Adam Driver. So cool. Very violent, just gruesome. And Jodie Cormer is just... She's on, like, this like sniper tower-looking thing, you know? Um, in the middle of the stadium, and she's just overlooking it. Her, you know, legs are... Or her ankles are chained... And there's like a bundle of sticks underneath it, implying she's going to get fucking burned. But Matt Damon wins. And now she's free. But, she, like, you know, we, we, we understand the reality of it is that she's still married to this fucking douchebag. And also, Matt Damon's character basically just gets a bunch of praise. Like, everyone's, like, cheering for him. You know, as if it's not about the fact that she... You know, he's not going to get burned to death for telling the truth. Um, Yeah, a whole lot of, you know, misogyny from the men, of course. You know, seven or 1300s. Crazy shit. <laughs> Crazy shit. Definitely watch it. Cinematography. Like, the, the movie looks great. One of the best looking movies I've seen recently. Uh, it just captures the fucking depressing atmosphere you know like it's not like a fantasy movie type medieval setting you know where there's like you know green trees and shit no it's fucking cold it's like it's england but it's france well i guess france is basically the same thing you know it's just wet and damp and shitty um yeah, great movie. Great movie. Um, oh, yeah, last episode, I forgot to say that I also watched Dune in in theaters. It was pretty good. I mean, it was just like Timothy Chalamet wants to fuck Zendaya. That's it. In space. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm going to reserve judgment until the second movie comes out, but so far, it was pretty good. Anyways, um... Now, Cape Fear, directed by Scorsese, starring Robert De Niro as Max Cady, the rapist. And uh, actually, the two actors, Gregory Peck 
and uh, I forgot the other guy's name. Uh, anyways, the, the the two main guys from the original movie, they star in this one, so that's pretty interesting. Uh, Nick Nolte, and the the girl from uh, a Horace and Pete, the woman from Horace and Pete. Uh, forgot her name. She's in it. And uh, this film is about Max, who is, who you know, is released from prison after fourteen years, um, and basically he raped a sixteen-year-old girl. But his lawyer uh, had a report that said that the girl was promiscuous, and I had to look that up. I, I had no idea what that meant, but it's basically just this girl's, this girl fucks. That's what it means. This girl's fucking dudes. And apparently, I, I guess in the 90s, you know, it's set in the South. I don't know exactly where. I forgot. But I guess there's a law stating that if the girl is fucking, then she can't get raped. You know, not that she can't get raped, but anytime she fucks, it's not, or is fucked. It's not considered rape. Ridiculous. And, uh,. Yeah, so Nick Nolte plays, you know, the lawyer, and uh, Max, Robert De Niro, who has a southern accent, and it's strange, okay, I'm just going to say this right now, it's like, it's just Robert De Niro with this, trying to do a southern accent, that's what it seems like, and in the beginning, it definitely is weird, but towards the end, there's one scene, and I think that's where it's sort of, I feel like Robert De Niro, you know, started getting more used to the accent as uh as the movie progressed but <clears throat> yeah so nick nolte's character um you know he completely forgets about max you know he doesn't give a fuck and then max sort of uh haunts his family you know he has, uh nick nick has a 16 year old daughter and a wife and um yeah he basically he Robert De Niro's character is like fucking Michael Myers. Um, you know, he learned to read in prison. That's how he figured out that he was fucked over. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, sorry. Fuck, I- I'm awful at this. Nick Nolte's character, um, basically he rem- he removes the report or like trashes it, uh, stating that the 16-year-old girl was promiscuous. Um, so, you know... Max Cady would have been just let off the hook. But um, instead, he's sentenced to prison for 14 years because the lawyer thinks it's it's wrong. He thinks he should be in prison. Um, give me one second. Sorry about that. What was, I, what was it? Right, so Nick Nolte, yeah, okay. So he's sentenced to 14 years in prison. Um, so obviously, you know, De Niro's character is pissed. And he's planning this revenge for 14 years. We don't see it, but, you know, it's implied. And he learns how to read in prison. And I guess he just learns how to do a bunch of other skills. Because he, he's, he's like fucking Sherlock Holmes if Sherlock Holmes was a, was a rapist. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's like Michael Myers. Uh, there's a scene where... You know, Nick Nolte has a private investigator, and then he gets the private investigator to gather a couple guys to go beat up Robert De Niro. So, you know, 
like four guys come to beat him up. They have like metal pipes and like chains and shit. And they're like beating the shit out of Robert De Niro. And, you know, he's bleeding and stuff. I mean, it's metal pipes, right? Um, And then, but then, you know, De Niro just fights back and he wins. Like, he he's, like, superhuman. So, it... I mean, he really is a scary character. Like, it's... You know, Scorsese basically made a horror movie. Like a, like a slasher without, you know, a lot of the slashings. And, uh... It's sort of... Like, the soundtrack is very classical Hollywood. You know? Like, orchestral. A lot of, um... Tubes, a lot of horns, like bah! sounds, you know. Um, and it's just, it gets your blood pumping. It does. And, yeah, so Robert De Niro's character basically, you know, just follows the family, harasses them. And, you know, in the final scene, oh, Robert De Niro's very, uh, his character is very religious, you know, and he he's he calls himself God at one point. He says he's trying to help these people. He, uh, yeah, he's like a religious freak. And I think the message of the movie is basically, you know, uh, what what are the the limits, right, between religion, morality, and law. You know, should the lawyer, Nick Nolte's character, should he have uh, destroyed the, you know, evidence stating that the girl was promiscuous? Uh, You know, I mean, he thought it was wrong that Robert would have walked free for raping this girl, you know. Uh, But the law states, you know, so what 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 are the boundaries there? And, uh, yeah. So towards the end, uh, you know, Nick Nolte takes his family and they, they go to Cape Fear. They basically run away to this, um, like, southern white trash area. And they get a boat and they're basically just hiding in this boat uh, in the river. But obviously De Niro finds a way to get in. And he's basically about to rape both of them. But there's a giant storm. Right? And, you know, the tide... Well, not the tide. But the... The water movement. I don't know what it's called. Is, like, really strong. So it, it takes the boat. And, you know, that's sort of like... It's, it's like, you know, the fucking... The flood that God did. Remember that one? Two thousand years ago? Or two billion? I don't I don't know. The flood. Um Yeah, so I think there's a lot of like religious uh symbolism in this. A lot of them I don't I probably didn't um catch. Uh but yeah. Anyways, uh Nick Nolte is able to fight him off, and his family is safe. And I feel like, 
you know, it's sort of outdated in terms of how people behave. Like, nowadays, we wouldn't let anyone like Robert De Niro's character near our children, right? Just because of, we know, we know what happens sometimes. Rapes happen, right? Um, but, you know, back then, I guess it was just a different time. And people just did not give a fuck. So, you know, the 16-year-old Nick Nolte's daughter is sort of like, you know, she doesn't like her parents. In the way that a teenage girl doesn't like her parents. You know, they caught her once smoking weed. You know, they probably gave her shit for that. Um, yeah, there's a scene where De Niro sort of disguises as a uh, drama teacher. And they're in the basement of the school where the theater is alone. And uh, she basically, like, falls for his, uh, his like, flirtatious behavior, right? Um, I mean, she's she's young, you know. She's, uh, I guess, for, for the first time, diving into the sexual world, right? Well, she, you know, she doesn't get raped in that scene, but uh, later on, towards the end, she realizes that it was a mistake. But I feel like it was sort of, you know. Like, she knew he killed the dog, their dog. She knew, you know, this guy was dangerous. I don't know. Like, some of the characters didn't feel too believable. But, yeah. A good movie. I'd say it's a pretty good movie. Very different from Scorsese. Um, like, even not just in, in terms of, like, his mafia movies. But, I don't know. It was just something it was very very different. Uh yeah. What was thirty minutes? This is pretty good. Thirty minutes about movies. Um I'd say watch both of them. I think they're both worth a watch. Uh you know, obviously there's there's rape scenes in both of them. So just if you don't like those, don't watch them. Uh, well, you know, I don't like watching him, but I'm able to sit the room. Uh, yeah, very, very hard to watch shit. Um, yeah, Robert De Niro's character, he has a southern accent, and he's, it's, it's strange, you know? It's like... Because you just hear him with this fucking Italian accent all the time. In every movie. You know what I mean? So, yeah, very interesting. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Accents in movies? The thing is, I don't... You know, I'm not French. I'm not English. I'm not British. You know, I'm fucking Korean. And Canadian. You know, Canadians don't have an accent. That well, it's not like distinct. Um, to us, obviously. Um, and then the Korean accent, you know, no fucking movies have that, unless it's a Korean movie, or Black Panther. 
had maybe one of the worst Korean accents. Um, so I don't know what's a good accent most of the time. But I have a feeling that Robert De Niro's was not the best. Yeah. That's just my opinion. But it's probably just because it's him. It might have been like the greatest southern accent anyone's ever heard. But it's just because it's the guy from Goodfellas. You know? Yeah. I mean, both movies, they had similar... Or they had they shared a lot of... Uh, a lot of themes, I feel like, you know. <clears throat> so, yeah, uh, Robert De Niro's character gets canceled. There's, a like, a shot at the end where, you know, De Niro's character is, is like, uh, handcuffed to a pole on, like, a raft. Um, and it's, it's sinking, right? Like, it's getting taken away by the, by the stream. Um, and he's, he's just staring at Nick Nolte's character and like half his face is submerged in the water and it's just, it's, it's a scary look. I'm not going to lie. I would never be able to, like if that happened to me in real life, that face would never leave my mind. It's like the guy, you know, the guy in the dreams that's in everyone's dreams. Fucking terrifying. Yeah, I mean, two movies were unexpected villains uh, in terms of casting. You know, usually Robert De Niro's the, one of the lead, not good guys, but, you know, likable ones. In this one, he's just, he's a fucking psycho. Uh, yeah, and Adam Driver's a fucking rapist. Crazy shit. So yeah, that, those were the two movies. Um, I'm still planning on watching that Licorice movie by uh, by Paul Thomas Anderson, and it's getting shit. I'm pretty sure it's getting shit. I uh, I'm, I'm not gonna bother searching it up because um, I guess one of the characters there's like a big age gap. Like I think the dudes like. 45 and the girl's like 20 something which is like you know I don't know if they're criticizing just the fact that there you know there is a big age gap or if it's like because films do it a lot you know and I mean look it happens in real life right like I live in you know a place where it's pretty pretty wealthy, I guess, you know? Um, a lot of Chinese, a lot of Chinese uh, immigrants, right? And I swear to God, I've seen like three old Asian dudes with like just young ass Asian girls, you know? You know what? That's probably like human trafficking or some shit. There's there's probably some crime going on. But uh, I'm not going to do anything about it. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to to say about that situation. 
But I'm still gonna watch the movie. Cause fuck it. And I gotta watch his other shit. I still haven't seen uh uh whatever for blood. I forgot the name of the movie. Um There will be blood. The one with the the guy with seventeen Oscars. Yeah. Honestly, movies this year haven't been too bad. Uh, there was that one year where there was just fucking nothing. And that's when theaters were open. So. <clears throat> uh-huh. Um, I also saw Suicide Squad a couple months back when it came out. And uh, I liked it. I liked it. It was James Gunn. I think it was like his first DC movie after being fired by Disney. And you can just kind of tell that he does not give a fuck. Like, it's, it just seems like a satire of, like, superhero movies. Um, I was, like, really high when, when we were watching it, so I don't remember a lot. I just remember it being, like, pretty funny. And uh, it was, like, probably one of the last days when it was in theaters. So me and my friend were just, like, high as fuck. And the only two people were, like, these two girls behind us. And I did, you know, it's just weird. It's just awkward. Because it's like, you know, if we say some shit, you know, they're definitely going to hear us. And I'm high. I don't even know what I'm saying. So, yeah. John Cena. John Cena does great in that movie. Like, he was very surprisingly good. <clears throat> um, And the movie's, uh was 14A. But I like it was pretty violent, you know. Like there's a scene where this guy gets stabbed in the heart, and it's like it, you know, they do like an X-ray, like Mortal Kombat, you know, and like fucking punctures the heart. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm too pussy. But I enjoyed it, and I thought Pete Davidson was gonna be in the movie for way longer. He just dies instantly. Like, first five minutes of the movie, he, his face is shot off. So, yeah. Um, man. Man, 20 more minutes. Yeah, me and my friend, uh, we're, we're writing a, a, a short film right now. Like, we already made one before. Uh, that one was like 30 minutes long. This one's probably going to be shorter. And uh, it's hard, man. It's tough. Like, it, it seems like all the ideas are already taken. Like, whenever we bring up an idea, it's like, oh, this sounds like, you know, this sounds like fucking The Avengers. This sounds like The Departed. So it's hard, like, and I, I don't think it's that big of a problem. Like, I think we're we're making it more of a problem than it is just subconsciously. You know, because you don't want to be the guy who made, who just you know, copied fucking, you know, seven. But yeah, it's hard to create a uh, completely unique ideas. And I think uh, when films do, it's just special, you know. I'm trying to think of a movie recently that that's done that, but 
probably like midsummer that type of shit you know it was a pretty good movie but a very unique idea and it's refreshing it's refreshing to see i saw american psycho recently that movie was very refreshing i know it's an old movie but like it's just very unique um and i know it's based on like you know the original psycho but it's just the way that it it portrays these characters and all that shit and the how the story plays out is very interesting fucking christian bale in that movie you know kills it let's see paul allen's cock you know um yeah yeah i mean i want to be do like screenwriting and shit it's just it's it's hard to get i don't know like i start a script and i just sort of stop midway through you know maybe i'm not destined to be a screenwriter maybe i should do something else i don't know maybe i should just watch movies that's all i should do just binge um i was checking the reviews for these the two movies and uh pretty good i mean the the general reception seems to be all right i mean they only got like low sevens on imdb so i guess it's not a movie for everybody you know and okay here's the thing there are definitely probably some reviews out there that you know are negative because the rape scenes were hard to watch right which is fine you know if you can't watch it you can't watch it that's you know what i mean it happens but i don't know if you know you can judge a movie based on that you know like a film's uh artistic you know what i mean right but uh who knows um but I, I think you can't critique how the rape is portrayed or how the rape is illustrated um because there's definitely more realistic less uh sort of romanticized ways of doing it and i'm sure there's a lot of films out there that fuck it up um and usually it's probably a guy directing it you know but uh for this one they had a female writer who probably helped yeah i mean i know the handmaiden the the Park chan wook movie like it doesn't have a rape but you know there's some graphic sex scenes and that that got a lot of criticism for that because they were just like yeah this is porn this is porn I saw this on Pornhub. Um, but no, I think there would, like, the, the, there's, you know, there's arguments against that. Like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to go through the whole fucking movie, but that one's a good watch. And it's, it, the structure is very f- similar to The Last Duel, right? 
in terms of like telling the same story in, from different perspectives. And it, I, it's very easy to fuck that up though. Cause it can just get like repetitive, I guess. Like you're just seeing the same shit happen again. But when you, when, you know, <clears throat> as, as the audience, when you have to like play, play as a detective almost, you know, you gotta like sift through the, through the little behavioral shits. I don't know. You know, like just the different, the differences. It's fun. There's a level of fun, you know, it's very interactive. So, yeah. Uh, fucking hell. Yeah, Ben Affleck's character. Didn't even recognize him at first. I thought he was going to be like, you know, one of the cooler guys. But, of course, like always, he's just a fucking frat boy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and like the the king is like a fucking 15-year-old boy. Cuz you know that that's how it was back then, right? It's like the king dies and then your piece of shit son is the is the heir. So you know, he's obviously a douchebag like Fortnite player. Uh yeah, I guess that's that's basically it in terms of uh, movies. Um, I won my first game of PUBG. You know, uh, very, like my heart was just it was going. When it's the last circle, like the last uh, zone, and it, there's like ten people left, I, it's like the closest you get to fucking, uh, like instinct mode. You know. Like the animalistic shit that's in us. Because, you know, we just live in Canada. I'm in Canada, you know. Unless, like, a homeless guy starts chasing me, like, I'm not going to get close to that level of just intensity. Man. Man, it felt good. Felt good. Haven't won in a while. It's probably been, like, a year since I've won won a game um yeah it's going free to play soon I think in like five days four or five days the thing is they're adding like a bunch of shit like drones and I don't know man you know I feel like it's it's not the direction the game should go because the reason I like it so much, you know, and I'm sure a lot of other people feel the same way, is because it's a realistic game. It's not like, you know, Fortnite, Apex, you know, Warzone, where there's like a bunch of future technology. There's no fucking drones. You know, you can't call in an airstrike. You know, um, you can't... Uh, do the fucking... Oh, you can do the Gangnam Style dance, actually. In both games. You can do it in Fortnite and PUBG. But you can't build. You know what I mean? 
So I hope that they change their mind and just go back to the to just the boots on the ground type of gameplay. Um Yeah. I don't know. I have so many games that I just there's just something about them that turns me off. You know, like I've Rainbow Six, you know, it's too it's too futuristic. Rust. You gotta play like twenty four hours, you know, to keep your base, you know. Daisy keeps on crashing. Uh you know what I mean? I mean, Counter-Strike is probably the game that I played the most, right? CSGO. I probably have like 2,000, 2,500 hours, right? The thing is, they Valve does not give a fuck like about the game because regardless, it's going to make the money because people are just going to be playing for skins. They're not even playing the game, really. They're just on the market like all the time so so the the default like matchmaking system that's in the game is dog shit you know um like you'll be fucking gold something gold gold four and you'll just be in a, a game with a bunch of silvers or like their team will have like gold twos like a whole team of gold ones, gold twos, and then you'll be the gold four with like three other silvers. And it's like that's not balanced, you know, because one guy can't carry the entire team to an extent. You know, especially at this level. Um. Yeah, because it's basically the gold four going against five gold ones and then the silvers are just like fucking useless so anyways I hope I hope Valve starts to you know I mean it's probably the game that I'm just gonna play for the rest of my life not constantly but you know after playing so many games this one's the one that I've always come back to you know it's just it's so close to being great like, it's so close to being amazing. It's still great, you know? Um, yeah. Damn. Football manager. Um, I was... I got it in, like, August or some shit. And then I started playing again in, like, September and October. And I got addicted, dude. For probably those two months. There was this one day where I think I... uh, Stayed up until like 7am. And I was playing since like... 6pm. Yeah, like in those two months, I I clocked 190 hours. That game's fucking crazy, man. And it's like uh, just an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm i a fan of soccer, you know. Um, so obviously, it's probably different for other people. You probably won't like the game as much. But, uh, yeah, that game is fucking wild. 
Um, yeah, there's like a there's a new game coming out called Super People, and it's like PUBG mixed with Fortnite mixed with Apex. I don't know. I feel like I won't be that into it. I'm not gonna lie. Like one one of the guys you can teleport. So it's it's pretty ridiculous, and like the cooldown's not even that long. And I think there's another guy who basically just has wall hacks. So like when when it's the final two, if that guy has wall hacks and you don't, you're basically fucked. You know he has just so much more information than you. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. China. Um. I don't even know if that game's Chinese. Probably is, though. Most likely Chinese. Chinese or Korean. Uh, I'm not going to bother to search it up. You know? Oh, man. Yeah, Daisy seems like a sick game. I just wish it went, did, didn't crash on me. You know? Uh, like, I played for... For a bit, I only have like ten hours, but I I love the concept, and I you know the zombie game genre, like the multiplayer survival fucking genre. It's very rare that these games are good. There was a game called Infestation, or it used to be called War Z, right? And it came out when Day Z first came out, and the hype was big on zombie games. And me and my friends used to play so fucking much. And it used to... It was really fun. Uh, And then Warzy... Like, they got, like, sued. By the guys who made the movie. And they had to change it to Infestation. And, uh... Yeah, fuck, that game was fun. And we, we probably played that for, like, two years straight. And then it died. But... Yeah... I mean, I hope a game like that comes along again. Because I'd be down to play it. Uh, yeah, that's probably where I'm going to end it. You know? Uh, the next episode might have a guest. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, fuck you, bye. <laughs>